welcome back to Weekly Trek, a proud member of the Tricorder Transmissions podcast network and presented in partnership with TrekCore.com. I am your host, Alex Perry. What's today's date? The date. Today's show was recorded on July 15th, 2021, and is current through Star Trek Discovery Season 3, so beware of spoilers. All right, let's get into the show. Good day, Voyager, and welcome to A Briefing with Neelix. It's a catchy title, isn't it? Weekly Trek is a 30-minute news show covering the biggest stories from the Star Trek franchise. We are in a new golden age of Star Trek. There are multiple television shows in production, possibly more on the way, and enough merchandise to fill the Bajoran wormhole. So stick with me, and I'll help you sort the real facts from a lot of the Dominion propaganda that you'll find online. But I can't do this alone. And my guest this week is Justin Norton Kurtzen. Justin, welcome to Weekly Trek. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm thrilled to have you. Well, Justin, I ask my guests this question every week. I want to know something that's got you excited about Star Trek at the moment. What's got you moving at Warp 10? Yeah, I mean, I think really the, the thing this last week that was the most exciting to me was the the new Lower Decks teaser. Yes, sir. Super short and super action-packed. And a lot, a lot of the things, little things that were in it got me really excited. Yeah, 15 seconds of fun, right? And so classic go. Lower Decks just packed into like just a really short 15 second yeah. trailer i yeah i thought it was terrific i mean you had the little in jokes you know there was sort of things you could point to maybe little hints about where some of these episodes are going but yeah it was a lot of fun yeah especially those little hints i'm hoping like to see that to see an episode with the antidians would be really really cool among other things but <laughs> yeah the thing that i find myself fixating on are the little like data they look like data like right. statuettes or mm -hmm. awards or action figures that are in the back of the argo buggy yeah that was interesting yeah i wonder what the story is behind that it'd be great if they bring data in to the show for an episode yeah that would be very cool i wonder if it's like starfleet's most efficient officer and it's the hey, it's the right. lieutenant commander data award yeah right he's <laughs> on special emmy uh-huh <laughs> all right well the thing i'm feeling good about this week is the announcement that star trek for the voyage home will be returning to movie theaters yeah. in the united states it will be in theaters on thursday august 19th and sunday august 22nd at various cinemas across the u.s it's hosted by fathom events they put on a return to cinema of Star Trek The Motion Picture for the 40th anniversary, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, I saw in theaters at a Fathom mm -hmm. Events thing when the 4K remaster came out for that a couple of years ago, the Deep yeah. Space Nine documentary, and this version of Star Trek The Voyage Home will be the remastered in 4K edition, so I'm very excited to see that on the big screen. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm not, I'm actually going back to the movie theater tomorrow for the first time since oh, yeah. the start of the pandemic to see Black Widow. Nice. And I think Star Trek for the Voyage Home would be my second visit to a movie theater since the start of the pandemic. And what mm. better movie to go back to the theater to start seeing again than one of my favorite Star Trek movies. Yeah, definitely. That will probably be the first movie that I get back into the theater for. I think the theaters were around where I live are mostly still closed for whatever reason, even though the economy has opened back up. But uh -huh. so I'm hoping by then. But although also I live out in the in the country, so I might have to drive a few hours to get to a theater that has it anyways, but that's okay. It'll be worth it. What's your favorite Star Trek movie? Oh, I mean, four is really good. Of the originals or of the whole entire movie franchise? Any. Pick any. any. Oh, 
this is such a hard question. Probably First Contact, I would say, is my favorite movie. Awesome. Actually, yeah. Yeah, it's, pro- it's probably my favorite, too, because I, I love Me the Next Generation. Uh-huh. And yeah. First Contact is the only truly excellent Next Generation <laughs> movie. So That's true. I wasn't going to say it. But, <laughs> it but probably takes the top spot just for that <laughs> yeah. reason alone. And I'm a sucker for time travel, too. So the fact that that episode is very heavily time travel oriented made me a fan instantly, I think. And the, the guy who plays the guy who invented Warp Drive. Zephyr uh, Cochran. <laughs> yeah, Zephyr Cochran. The actor who plays him, I mean, his character is hilarious. So uh, that was a, a highlight of the movie for me, for sure. Yeah, James Cromwell did a nice job with that. All right. Well, with that, let's turn to the week's top stories. There's a war going on, and I'm a reporter. Star Trek action figure company of my and probably your childhood Playmates Toys announced this week they are getting back into the Star Trek business. Yes, this was a big surprise for fans everywhere. The company, which produced an extensive line of action figures, ships, and accessories for the Star Trek franchise between 1991 and 1999, and again for Star Trek 2009 in 2009, have returned as the primary toy licensee for the the Star Trek franchise. Beginning next year in 2022, anticipate action figures, maybe some ships, maybe some other accessories will be on the way from Playmates, which is expected to showcase the modern run of Star Trek shows. The press release highlights that beginning next year, Playmates will be producing toys for Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Lower Decks, Star Trek Picard, Star Trek Prodigy, and more. Teaser art alongside the press release appears to show potential concept art for a Next Generation era Commander Data, a Discovery Season 2 era Michael Burnham, Saru, Christopher Pike, a bearded Spock from Discovery Season 2, and a Picard Season 1 era Jean-Luc Picard. More details are forthcoming on exactly what Playmates has planned, including what kind of toys, which characters, what scale any action figures will be. I know there are lots of fans out there hoping that Playmates will do a return to the 4.5-inch action figures of their youth, but we are expecting those first releases to hit next year in 2022, so lots of time for us to learn what is ahead. In addition to Playmates making Star Trek toys again, it also looks like Varna Studios will be taking the lead on helping Playmates with sculpts for the upcoming products. Why is that notable, you might ask? Well, because Varna Studios are the same company that did most of the sculpting for the Playmates Star Trek action figure line of its 1990s heyday. Justin, have you ever owned any of the 90s era Star Trek Playmates action figures or other toys? I have. I I owned... A, a number of them when I was younger, back in the 90s when they were coming out. Actually, I have, a, I have an interesting story of a time when I convinced one of my really good friends to steal a wharf action figure for me from Walmart because we didn't have any 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 cash and I really wanted to hear. <laughs> Which wolf was it? Uh it was a yellow yellow shirt wolf. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah, secured uh, which uh, what year? Probably 92 maybe. Oh yeah, so that was probably like DS edition first run. Uh-huh. Yeah, which uh, I ended up of course not keeping the wharf action figure because we got caught and sat in the <laughs> room for quite some time. But yeah, I've, I've owned quite a few of them over the years. And recently, too, in the over the last couple of years, particularly have spent more than my fair share of time on eBay just looking for not even necessarily particular ones, but just ones that I, I don't have or that look 
really cool. And are you, uh, are we a uh, out of box guy? Do we, do we rip them out the packaging or do we leave them pristine in packaging? Yeah. With the, with the action figures, I, all the ones that I have are still in the package. I'm, I'm oh, not in the package necessarily with everything, but I haven't gotten any of the action figures out yet. Although I've been considering taking them out and using them to do some sort of like weird stop animation type kind of thing. Oh yeah. Cool. Uh, that could be fun, but we'll see. That might get them out of the box. So what do you think? I mean, Playmates starting to make new Star Trek action figures again. You think you might pick any up? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's it's interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess if that's been it's been true of Star Trek forever that, you know, not all of the characters are aliens. The, alien, the aliens, of course, are the, uh, you know, and the prosthetic aliens in particular are the action figures that I'm always drawn more to just because they're more interesting to look at. But particularly, I'm excited about Lower Decks um, and Saru. I would love of a Saru action figure just because uh, his face is amazing. <laughs> yeah, I am thrilled to bits with this announcement. It's so funny. I mean, it, it came, the announcement was made the day after last week's episode went live in which Thad, Hate and I were lamenting the fact that Playmates was a thing of the past and, right. you know, the kind of heyday of the action figure line. And, and of course, you know, I think it's probably important to stress that. My hope is we end up in a, another renaissance and we're going to get 150 action figures over the next yes. nine years in the way that we did with Playmates, or even more than 150. I forget how many there were. Yeah. It's probably going to be smaller than that, but still, this is incredible news. It is. And I think the other thing too is that the success of Playmates the first time around was not guaranteed right the way mm-hmm. playmates did it was they released a wave and enough people bought it they released one more wave and enough people bought it they released more and oh. more people bought it more people bought it more people bought it and obviously by the time of the ninth the late 90s when they moved to kind of doing the target exclusives and things like yeah. that part of that was because sales were declining so i think it's gonna be uh you know this is gonna be a look star trek fans have said for years we want toys we want action figures. You mm-hmm. make them, we'll buy them. Well, now it's time to put our money where our mouth is because this is our opportunity, right? Playmates yeah. wants to move product. And so, I mean, obviously it depends on, right? The action figures have to be good, but mm-hmm. we love those Playmates action figures of the 1990s. It's the same guys who are doing it again. So I'm really excited to see where this goes. Oh yeah. I, I intend to go fairly broke over the next few years <laughs> buying these. If they're good, of course, like you said. And, you know, I mean, there's some that I'll probably buy even if they're not good just just to have them. But whether or not I go crazy and buy them all will depend on the quality. But I, I don't doubt that they'll be amazing. And I, you know, I would love for in addition to, you know, just straight up action figures, which obviously is something we've, you know, since since Art Asylum, who then became Diamond Select Toys, stopped doing the Star Trek action figure line they had in the mid-2000s. I mean, it's been 15 years since we've had new Star Trek action figures. We won't count the failed McFarlane experiment that produced a grand total of two action figures. Right. This will be the first time there's really been sort of affordable toys like this, but I'm also really interested in affordable toys that aren't just action figures, right? It would be great to get, you know, Diamond Select did a great job with the ships, but we've been waiting for the Enterprise C and Reliant for probably almost 10 years now for them to finally release the damn thing. Doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Love playing to do some ships. I'd love playmates to do some accessories, right? We never got, you know, McFarlane was supposed to do the discovery phaser and for all Mm -hmm. kinds of reasons, it never ended up happening. Love some of that. Tricorder, communicator, you know, all those kind of classic playmates toys of the 90s. There's a playmates tricorder sitting on a table, not 
six yeah. feet away from me. And, and, and I'd like some of that too. And my favorite of all of the things that Playmates did, my absolute favorite, which I still love back in the UK, but next time I'm over there, I am bringing it back with me, is the Next Generation Bridge playset. Yes. I would love for them to do something like that with the new license for Star Trek going forward. Yeah, I wonder which I wonder which ship they'd do if they did that. I mean, my guess would be Strange New Worlds because it's more going to be like the traditional kind of bridge yeah. that we're used to, whereas like Picard's bridge is, is weird because it's not even a Federation ship, at least right. in season one. Discovery's bridge would be interesting, though. Yeah, it would be, but it's but it also, it feels like it's way too big for a playset like that. Yeah. So yeah, maybe the Strange New Worlds one. I guess we'll, we'll have to see if they can... If they figure that out well star trek 4 which was officially announced earlier this year for the second time and is maybe the fourth version of the movie that we know has attempted to get off the ground since star trek beyond was released in 2016 now has a director and a pair of writers deadline reported this week that the director of wandavision the marvel cinematic universe tv show on disney plus matt shackman will be the director for the upcoming star trek movie which currently has a release date of june 9th 2023 in addition to matt shackman in the director's chair deadline also reports the movie will be scripted by Lindsay beer and geneva robertson dwarrett robertson dwarrett co-wrote the captain marvel script also for the marvel cinematic universe according to deadline the movie is on a fast track to production with an anticipated start to shooting in the spring of next year which makes sense if the movie's release date is now less than two years away justin does the announcement of a writer and a director for star trek 4 make you more excited for it or more confident that it might eventually happen yeah it definitely makes me more confident that's going to happen and i think the the details in the release are, are what make me more confident than I have been in the past. Particularly, the release date is is a big one, um, and the fact that they're gonna they're talking about really fast tracking the production uh, makes me feel like they've got to they've got to be serious. Like they've just brought on two new writers. If they're gonna start producing in the spring, then they're probably already writing, and that makes me think that that, that this is really moving forward and not just another rumor or idea. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, this movie seems to have such a troubled production history. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the other funny thing is, this isn't even the writer that we were told is writing a Star Trek movie not, you know, two and a half months ago. Right, Kalinda Vasquez. Yeah, when they said Kalinda yeah. Vasquez, one of the Discovery writers was writing a Star Trek movie. Everybody assumed that meant it was Star Trek 4, but it's not this movie, right? Because we know no. that we now know the writers for this movie are different. I mean, have they already started writing a script for a sequel? Who knows? Yeah. Or is there another project that they're working on in addition to this one as well? Yeah, I mean, I think for this one, it certainly seems to be a good thing that they have set a date for it, which is one thing that's been lacking mm -hmm. since 2016. I mean, even the SJ Clarkson project that was supposed to bring back Chris Hemsworth yeah. did not have a release date. You know, they said it was happening. They said they sort of indicated what the movie was going to be and it had a shoot date as far as we know. And then it all fell apart because Chris Hemsworth and Chris Pine would not agree to contract terms with Paramount. So we don't know anything yet about this movie. I guess when Deadline first posted the story, they included a line about how this was expected to be a Kelvin timeline movie with the Chris right. Pine car but that sentence lasted for all of about 25 minutes before it was removed from the story. And if you really? Go and, 
Yeah, if you go look ah. at the deadline story now, it does not say that. It doesn't say anything about casting or characters or anything like that. Whether that's because they either got it wrong, possible, or because they do know that, but they weren't authorized to say that. Right. They were only authorized to say who the director and the writers were. Who knows? But that was sort of an interesting kind of thing that happened when the announcement went live. I mean, I'm sort of in just like wait and see mode for this because, you know, yeah. this is, as I said, up top right fourth fifth attempt to get a star trek movie <laughs> off the ground yeah and i'm a you know and, and it's funny i mean this one's got a release date but i went back and i read deadlines exclusive article about how noah hawley was in final talks to direct a star trek movie and it yeah. is almost word for word the same, the same. oh it's Jeez. the same paragraph structure it's the same everything they just copied and pasted it and then they changed some of the details so hopefully they won't have to copy and paste it and change the details a third time but it's been a long what is it now almost it's been five years since star trek beyond came out it's almost exactly five years since star trek beyond came out and uh yeah we're uh hey here's hoping we're now <laughs> less than two years away yeah we'll see I'm, I'm excited about i mean i'm excited about the idea of another kelvin movie um, it'd be it'd be interesting though, maybe not just interesting, but it'd be I, I would I would really like to see a movie that takes us in a different direction though, different you know different cast, different crew, different story, um, maybe and maybe not maybe not in 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 the place of part of my hope around the movies is that they'll kind of the the people producing them will get their their act together kind of the way the shows have, not that they haven't had their problems too, but like. You know, we're on our way to four shows at one time. I mean, it would be great to see something similar happen in the movies where we can have, you know, the Calvin timeline, you know, maybe give us a Discovery movie, maybe something that's totally different from all of the shows. I, I can't wait. I hope. I hope. <laughs> yeah. Audiences are smarter than the studios give them credit for. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, there's this whole, there's been this whole conversation I mean, and honestly, I guess audiences are smarter than a lot of fans think they are, right? Because lots of people talk about how confusing mm -hmm. it is to have the Kelvin timeline, and then you've got the kind of prime timeline. Mm -hmm. And yet, the direction of the most successful franchise in history right now, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is moving in a, if you watch Loki or any of the or any of yeah. the other recent Marvel shows or know anything about the movies that are coming up it's definitely moving in a direction of exploring ideas of alternate universes alternate timelines mm -hmm. same characters doing different things and then not necessarily connecting or needing to make sense so yeah. Marvel is moving in that direction and seem to be going there very courageously yeah. and and Star Trek's sort of already there right because you've got the Kelvin timeline you've got the prime timeline and you know nary the two shall meet but yeah it's, it sort of indicates to me that I, I don't think the studio needs to feel any pressure to say oh well we have to make it all the same and that we can't mm -hmm. necessarily you know have two different universes one in the movies and one on tv and have them do their own thing right star trek tv shows received several emmy nominations in technical categories this week though sadly were once again shut out of the more prestigious acting categories Star Trek Lower Decks got its first Emmy nomination for Outstanding Sound Editing for a Comedy or Drama Series and Animation for the series finale No Small Parts. And Star Trek Discovery Season 3 received several technical awards, including Outstanding Prosthetic Makeup and Outstanding Sound Editing for a Comedy or Drama Series for That Hope Is You Part 1, Outstanding Period and or Character Makeup for Terra Firma Part 2, as well as Outstanding Visual Effects in a Single Episode for Sukal. 
Justin, how do you feel about Star Trek's Emmy nominations? Yeah, it's always great when they get nods. Uh, like you, I mean, you, you mentioned in your intro, sort of the well, the disappointment I felt personally, at least, that they they didn't get any nods for the acting categories. In particular, I would have loved to see Sequoia Martin Green get a, a, a nomination. I know there's a lot of controversy in the fandom over her character and and the acting, and and people think that it's over the top or she cries too much or, or whatever but I think she's great um, I love her character and I, I love the actress and I think that she's really good I think it's refreshing to see some someone on the show and in a leadership position that is a little bit more human than just like the stuffy captain and so I would have really would have liked to see her get a nomination um, and it would have it would have been great to see Lower Decks get a nod to I mean I was actually really surprised that Picard was left out completely in the cold uh, I thought the, I mean, the cinematography in Picard, I thought was pretty amazing. I'm surprised that they didn't get any nominations for, for that. My guess is that's a timing issue because oh. I think they were nominated for a couple oh, of technical previously. awards last year. And because right. obviously season two has not come out yet. They, yeah, yeah. So I think they, I think they needed to skip this year. That makes sense. But yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think Sir Patrick Stewart is long overdue for an Emmy award. Yeah. And so it's time for any voters to reward him for his long career, if not for his acting in Star Trek Picard specifically. Very cool that Lower Decks is on the board. It'd be great if it was for something a little more than sound editing. I think it's a great show. I think it is deserving of, I can't remember if there's like a animated show category, but if there is, Lower Decks should be in there. Mm. And so here's hoping that that will change over a couple of years. And yeah, as you say, for Discovery, some terrific performances by the actors on Discovery. A shame that Star Trek continues to only really get the attention it deserves in the technical categories and not in the other categories. But still, great that the show is getting at least some nominations. Mm -hmm. uh, it is a little bit of a shame also that they that they did not get an uh, Emmy nomination for Star Trek Discovery's uh, music for the third season. Yeah. I thought Jeff Russo did the finest work he's done on Star Trek to date in Star Trek Discovery season three. And he, I think he, he was nominated for or I think he was nominated for Picard season one, or maybe it was Discovery yeah. season two for an Emmy. And uh, so actually, no, you know what? Actually, no, I don't think he has been nominated yet at all. But I, you know, if there's any season in which he should be nominated, it's definitely this one. So disappointing I to see, see that, but uh, hey, he's doing a lot more Star Trek. So there's a lot more opportunities for him to get nominated in the future. Sure. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if Star Trek has ever even won an Emmy for the music. I mean, I'd be surprised if it hadn't, but. I'm not I don't know that much about its Emmy history. Yeah, I don't know that it has for for the musical score, of course. A lot of people, I'm not one of them, but a lot of people, you know, are very down on the music from the Berman era of Star Trek because of Rick Berman's influence of not wanting the music to be too distinctive or stand out too much. And so, I think, you know, a lot of people say it's not terribly creative, but that is certainly not the case for Star Trek as it stands right now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I, I like the music from the old shows but I definitely agree that it's not overly creative and and they definitely don't stand out I mean other than the original series well which is not Berman era but uh yeah I mean I get next generation Voyager Deep Space Nine 
mixed up all of the time in terms of their theme songs. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> and I watch those shows all the time. Like uh-huh. I should know, I should know this <laughs> yeah, off the back right. of my hand. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, and lastly this week, Factory Entertainment, the high-end replica prop producer who has released several Star Trek products to date, including teacups from The Undiscovered Country and a Resican flute prop replica from The Inner Light, are continuing their line of Star Trek prop replica releases. Next up for the company will be a set of medical props from Star Trek The Next Generation, including a hypospray, replacement vials for the hypospray, and a medical hand scanner found on the medical tricorder. The hypospray and scanner are both equipped with built-in sound effects and are presented together in a display case. And I think this is the first mass-produced replica hypospray that there's been on the market. Certainly never been sort of the more collectible toy-based, you know, there was not a Playmates version. I don't mm-hmm. know that there was like a Roddenberry version of the Hyperspree either. I think this is the first time anybody's done this one. The set is expected to release in the spring of 2022, but you can already pre-order it from Factory Entertainment over on their website for a special pre-order price of, yes, it's quite expensive, $374.99. That price is good until August 9th of this year, when it will increase to $399.99. So if you want that hypospray and medical scanner, best get yourself over to Factory Entertainment and lock in your order. Justin, obviously we've established you're a big, you, you love yourself some action figures. How about prop replicas? Are you, you ever dipped your toe in that water? I haven't yet. And this one might get me into it. Okay, uh, cool. I mean, it is expensive. I w- I don't think that I will be able to pull $375 together in the next couple of weeks. But between now and spring, I might be able to, to save up the 400 and it's almost hurts me to say that (laughs) but this this is so cool i mean i'm sitting here looking at the picture of the hypo spray and the replacement vials uh and i just want it like i'm i'll go into debt for this i think it would that would be fine so yeah i'm really excited about it like i said i've not done the um, replicas before i almost bought the resican flute oh yeah Mm -hmm. but then i i noticed before i bought it that it, it doesn't actually play um, and so then that was a big downer yes. for me because I'm a musician. And so I was, uh-huh. I was super, super excited about the idea of just like, you know, playing Picard's flute. And so that I, I might go back and, and buy it at this point. It's been a little while, but it, that disappointed me enough that I didn't end up buying it. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it, we're sort of back ending the show with the two sides of the merchandise market, right? Mm-hmm. On the front end, Playmates coming out. I mean, I doubt that Playmates action figures are going to be as cheap as they were in the 1990s, no. not least just because of inflation. They're not going to be under 15 bucks, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. I'd imagine they're probably somewhere more in there. If I had to guess... 18 to $25 region per action figure once it comes out. But that is your sort of much more affordable, accessible merchandise for any fan who can get together $25. And we know that's still a challenge for a lot of people out there. But for many, uh, something that if they, you know, want to plunk down 25 bucks on an action figure, they can do so. And then our last story today is obviously the other end of the merchandise market which is our sort of high-end replica sort of you know the more frankly the just the more expensive stuff right Mm -hmm. and it's interesting the high-end market it feels like has been fairly well served over the last five to ten years right you've got xo6 and their one six scale action figures that are 200 bucks and then you've got factory entertainment with their 400 hypo sprays and their 250 reskin flutes all the other kind of products that have been produced some of them running into the tens of thousands if you want to get 
that like a you know professionally made model of the enterprise uh, which you could have done at various points from different licensees along the way but that sort of cheaper end of the market has been pretty underserved in recent years if you didn't want to buy like a t-shirt of which there have been hundreds and thousands of them so you know it, it I think it's good for there to be a really balanced market where there's stuff that is really expensive if you have the money to be able to buy it and there is stuff that is affordable and cheaper and more accessible for fans who aren't able to put down $400 in order to walk away with a hyperspray and a medical scanner as awesome as both of those items are. So, you know, it, this is the sort of merchandise market that I think we wanted when they said Star Trek was coming back to television. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's, uh, you know, this is going to be for some fans. The Playmates toys are going to be for other fans. All of it's for me because I'm a huge merchandise collector. So, <laughs> yeah. you know everything's for me but um yeah it's a it's a good time to be a star trek fan i think not just because of what's on screen but also the kind of merchandise market we are moving into we're not quite there yet right because playmates are coming around till next year but i think when we get there i think we'll start looking around and go actually you know what i'm feeling pretty good about the merchandise options that are available yeah it's it's exciting like you said it's hopefully hopefully the beginning of a new sort of star trek renaissance and yeah the the expensive market has been well served for quite some time i mean they just released like a 500 you know original series enterprise uh ship mobile with like all the you can open up the top of it and it's got Uh all the little figures inside it's so cool i've got to figure out i'm not even a huge original series fan either i like it but i i'm i'm not as big of a fan of it as i am the 90s era trek but this this toy is just so cool that i've got to get it <laughs> and that just came out this this last month i think in june maybe i think it i think it, it they announced it in june it comes out this fall oh okay right. so you again for that one too you got a little bit of time to save up yeah all right well, we've talked about the facts And now, let's speculate on what's going to happen in the future of Star Trek. You make some very good points, Captain. But it's still all speculation and theory. So each week, I and my guest give you a wish or theory we're nurturing about any of the shows or the future of the franchise... So, Justin, let's hear your theory or wish for this week. Yeah, I'm going to go really far out. <laughs> let's do it. I love far uh, out. Yeah. And I'm going to I'm gonna take it from shows that exist into shows that don't exist. Okay. Yet. So, what I mean, what I really, really want is a Star Trek show that is not centered on Starfleet. So... I don't, or, or or people associated so much with Starfleet, like uh-huh. preferably an alien species of some kind, whether it, it could be the Klingons or the Andorians are pretty cool. I think it's like really getting like a dive into one of the other cultures besides like human Federation culture um, would be really interesting. So I, knowing that season two in Picard is, is heavily, is, is heavy on the time travel, I would really love to see Q and Picard come back in time to our time now and kick the show producers in the ass, but... And maybe a lot of people aren't don't really want to see this. I do. But D- Michael Dorn has been pushing his, his Worf show for, what, decades now? Yeah. Probably. And it just, just got a bump from Marina Sirtis uh, over the last week or so when she endorsed the idea. And I would love to see that happen. And so I would love, to, I, I think Q and Picard should co- should come back and talk to the producers and and, and make it happen. And if, and if they can't make that happen, then just some sort of alien culture focused Star Trek show would be amazing. I love it. Well, it seems like they're coming back to something fairly close to our modern time from that teaser poster that that was released for Star Trek Picard season two of the LA skyline with the Starfleet Delta made out of the highways that uh, that that did not look too far in the future to me. 
Yeah. Um, so hey, maybe you're maybe you're mm-hmm. gonna get your wish in that regard. That is very maybe. that is very meta. <laughs> it is right, and I actually hope I'm wrong because that wouldn't make for a very good season. But <laughs> but hey, you'd get the Captain Wharf show out of it. So there's something <laughs> right. to be said for that. That's true. Yeah, I'd love to see Michael Dorn come back. I mean, you know, I, my frustration with the way that his appearance in the Star Trek legends game was handled was obviously significant Mm -hmm. but that's not really on michael that's on the guy who runs his twitter account and yeah i'd love to see him come back in star trek whether it's in his own show whether it's guest starring in one of the other shows Mm -hmm. Uh, i think was a terrific character and i i would love to see more of him too yeah all right well my wish this week is me using this platform as another opportunity to slap Paramount Plus on the wrists for not doing a very good job of technically managing the availability of the Star Trek catalog. The thing I've got a bee in my bonnet about this week is the fact that one of the Star Trek Twitter accounts tweeted just a couple of days ago that after having added the first 11 Star Trek movies about six weeks ago, uh, you now only have until the end of July in which to watch them before they leave Paramount Plus again. What the hell are you people doing? Star Trek is your franchise. You own it. It's your intellectual property. What on earth are you doing bringing the movies onto the platform and then taking them back off again? This isn't the 1990s. This isn't Disney's vault where they release the VHS once every 10 years and get people excited about it again and purchasing it. The availability of Star Trek movies on Paramount Plus is one of its key selling points. Why? Because all the other Star Trek shows are available on every other platform. You can get the Next Generation Deep Space Nine Voyager Enterprise original Star Trek The Animated Series on Netflix. You can get it on Amazon Prime. You can get it on Hulu. What are the things you can't get on those platforms? Star Trek movies. Where would it be great for Star Trek movies to be available at all time and provide an on-ramp for people to remain subscribed year-round and not only when there's new Star Trek on? Hello, Paramount+. Plus. Now, I've heard people say, well, it's probably just some legal contractual thing about, you know, existing contracts of people who have the rights to do it. Yeah, but they've managed to get it on for six weeks. Don't play with me like that. If you're going to put Star Trek movies on Paramount+, Plus, they better be there to stay. Right. I mean, I understand, you know, it takes a bit of time to unwind these legal contracts, et cetera, et cetera. But you should be honest with the fans about what's happening. Lots of people will have signed up for Paramount Plus because they had the Star Trek movies and now they're about to be gone again. Mm -hmm. Figure it out, Paramount Plus. While we're at it, we'll keep the main rant for another time. But while we're at it, the sound mixing on the original series opening credits is terrible. The music is so loud and William Shatner's opening narration is so quiet you can barely hear the most iconic speech in all of Star Trek history. It's the only service on which it is like that. It is time for Paramount Plus. Like, Caretaker was missing for a while. We had syndicated cuts of the two-part episodes. We're slowly forcing them through the process of fixing all these problems so that Star Trek gets the best presentation possible on Paramount+. Plus. And there are two things you can do to fix that further. One, keep all the Star Trek movies on Paramount+. Plus. And two, fix the opening narration sound mixing on the original series. It's literally every episode where that happens. Justin, what do you think? Yeah, my rage is equal to yours. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> it's just really ridiculous that this is even an issue. I mean, maybe there's contractual issues. I mean, I know Paramount, they're not even new in the game. Like, I just don't, I don't even, I don't understand what the holdup is. I mean, 
Now, Disney bought Star Wars and hasn't owned Star Wars forever. And, you know, all of the Star Wars movies are up on Disney's app. And, and, you know, granted, I might not know what's going on behind the scenes. But as a fan, I agree that it just seems absolutely ridiculous. And it's funny because the the first thing that popped into my mind, too, was the old Disney vault and the way that they used to do things. Right. And it's just like, I mean, that's... It worked then for them in that time, but I mean, I, I will absolutely get rid of my Paramount subscription if if the movies go away and, and you know, only have it when I need it. Because again, like, you know, there's not much else on Paramount that is all that interesting to me. I don't think I've found anything else that I watch regularly other than Star Trek. So, so figure it out, Paramount Plus. Please. I, I, I wonder who, like how these people get these jobs because I was, I, I mean, we, I'm sure we all feel like we could do better. <laughs> That's yeah, part right. of part of being in a fandom. But yeah, well, and you know, we praise them when we love them, and we'll slap their wrists yeah. when we don't. And that's part of being a good fan. It's true. Do you have a theory or a wish for Discovery, Picard, Strange New Worlds, Lower Decks, or Prodigy that you'd like to share? Tweet them to me at Weekly Trek, or email them to me at Weekly Trek at the TricorderTransmissions.com, and I might feature your theory in a future episode. Well, that's all the time we've got for this episode of Weekly Trek. Thank you so much to my guest, Justin Nolan Kurtzen, for joining me today. Justin, how can people contact you if they want to continue the conversation? Yeah, um, you can give me a shout over through email. Uh, my email is infounimatrix 0 at gmail.com. And you can find this show on Twitter at Weekly Trek and me at Alexander T. Perry. And if you enjoy the show, please consider leaving us a five-star review on your podcast player of choice. And please check out some of the other great shows on the Tricorder Transmissions. And if you like our shows, please also consider becoming a Patreon of Tricorder, which you can find at patreon.com slash the Tricorder Transmissions. And lastly, if you're looking for Star Trek news on the internet, I hope you will turn to trekcore.com. Well, thank you, Justin. Thank you to all of my listeners. And until next week, live long and prosper. Prosper.